Everyone ready for some word? I have prepared a meal. Let's get out your forks and let's eat. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians the fourth chapter. I want to continue today with the series of messages that we've been on for the last few weeks. Let's talk some more about spiritual growth. And it's one thing to be uh, have a full-grown body. It's a whole other thing to be developed spiritually and mature in spiritual things, and that's what our desire is. Our text here again, Ephesians chapter 4, the Lord gave us the fivefold ministry, and He said in verse 13, "...till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children..." tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up everybody say grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, just like things are today, things were back then in the early church where Paul was writing to this Ephesian church or church at the city called Ephesus. And there, they were grown-ups in some regards, but he wanted to make sure they didn't remain in a childhood state of Christianity in regards to spiritual things. And this is the case, it is, it is the unfortunate case in many believers. Some of you are recognizing and have recognized in recent uh, uh, weeks, months, and, and even years that you were a Christian, you were a genuine believer for many years but never really developed in spiritual things. And part of that was because of an improper diet you weren't given the good word of God. You were just given milk. You were just given baby food. And so you couldn't ever grow and develop. And some of it was it had to do with how you responded to circumstances in life. But you dealt with it according to the food that you were given. And so it kind of goes back there and you were unable to grow and develop. But you've noticed that you've really taken off. I, have, I can identify times in my life, especially back there when I really got turned on to the word of God, where I really began to grow and develop in spiritual things and I'm thankful very much for that reality because you know being a grown-up has its perks doesn't it (laughs) there's some freedoms there's some abilities to do things and and see from a different perspective that's just not afforded to those who are immature and so we want to grow and develop I was sharing with you last week about marks of the mature indications uh, that someone could um, can can identify and then compare them to their own life And if you find that you're lacking in any of these, don't be condemned by it, but see it as an opportunity to grow and increase and develop. And I shared with you four of these so far. You remember I said that the mature are stable. They are consistent. Secondly, I said that they are in control of their emotions. Number three, they are able to delay gratification. And number four, they take no offense. See, these are conditions and characteristics of those who have developed in spiritual things. And so I want to continue along the list today. I tried in the first service but was unsuccessful in completing 
my list. <laughs> and so I'm not going to assume that I'm going to in this service either now. But let's go at it anyway. Number five. All right. Number five is a characteristic or mark of the mature is they walk by faith. They walk by faith. Someone might say, well, all Christians walk by faith. No, that's not the case. Every Christian has received salvation by faith because you can't see Jesus on the cross, see him raised from the dead. You don't, you don't see the reality of him bearing our sins. So we're saved by faith. But however, uh, walking by faith is an entirely different, uh, different thing. And many, many people, they get saved, but then they revert to living by sight, living by their feelings. They're governed by the circumstances around them instead of by the Word of God. And how many know, when we get to a place where the Word of God, His promises, what He says, uh, both from a, a, a character and, and um, a, a standpoint of how we are to conduct ourselves and promises... Um, concerning what is unseen, when we, when we exalt that word above what we see and feel, that's maturity. It really is. But a person who lives by sight, remember 1 Corinthians 5, 7, or is it 2 Corinthians 5, 7? It is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. Sight represents the five physical senses. I don't, as a mature believer, as a faith walker, I am not supposed to be led by and walk by what I see and feel and touch and taste and smell, but I should let the Word of God override my five physical senses. And the person who lives that way, it could be said about them, they are mature. They have developed. They are strong in spiritual things. You see... Everyone around us, this whole world understands walking by sight. They understand, uh, and they, they, they under, in fact, that's all they understand. You know, people will say things like, seeing is believing. And uh, it's always about physical evidence. But the reality is, is walking by faith takes God's Word and elevates it above things. So if I feel bad, I can take a word from God and apply it to my life, and it'll change my feelings. If I have lack and need in, in life financially, I can take God's Word, apply it to my life, and my needs will be su- supplied and my needs will be met. It's one of the reasons why many Christians live without and they struggle uh, to receive these type of words is because they're so sight-oriented. They think, and they've been taught, this is that, you know, a kind of word that doesn't help you to grow, that they've been taught if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. They've been taught whatever God's will is, that always happens. And if that were the case, how many know it's not necessary for us to walk by faith? Because we would just sit back and look and feel. And we would live a fleshly life and just whatever happens, we would say, that's the will of God. But But to walk by faith says, I don't see it, it doesn't feel good, it whatever, however... The Word of God is true anyway. However, what God promised me, that is so anyway. And so I am going to stand my ground. I'm going to believe in God's Word, what He promised and said to me over what I see and feel. And what I see and feel is changing. See, that takes an element of maturity, doesn't it? 
It takes no strength at all. It takes no character. It takes no, uh, no faith at all just to kind of sit back and accept whatever happens to you. But to rise up and be strong and say, this is the will of God. This is the word of God. I'm going to let it dominate my life. Then that takes a person of strong faith. Really, you could say it this way. Strong faith and maturity are synonymous. They're really the same thing. And when you and I are, are growing to the point where we're living by the word and not by what we see and feel, then we're doing something right. Amen. Praise God. Number six. Ready? Don't get quiet on me today. I'll let loose. Lock those doors. Number six, the mature, they see the invisible. The mature see the invisible. That might almost sound like it's a contradiction of terms. How can you see something that's invisible? By faith you can. And uh, Moses was one who, who operated this way. In fact, it altered the way that he lived because he saw invisible things. I'm not talking about some imaginary friend. <laughs> I'm not talking about seeing things that aren't real. I'm talking about seeing things that are real that are just obscured from physical observance. Okay? It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27, talking about Moses, that it said, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured... As seeing him who is invisible. How do you see an invisible person? You do so by faith. And when you do, when you see, when you have a spiritual sight to your life, then you will, uh, you will endure. You will be able to handle the, uh, the negative circumstances and not be afraid of the wrath of the king or the wrath or be afraid of, uh, of other things in life. But the mature are aware of a realm and God who can't be seen with the physical eye. Your life is not fully described, um, explained by the physical things around you. You're conscious right now, even as we talk, that it's not just a, another human being speaking. You're listening for, uh, for spiritual sounds. You're listening for words from God. You're conscious of the fact that we see hundreds of people in a room with uh, physical bodies, but we also know that there are angelic beings. For the Bible says they are sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. Right? We're aware of, uh, of a spiritual realm. We're aware of God. We're aware of... Of, of spiritual things happening, not just physical things. I know in the world this kind of stuff can be, uh, can be mocked. You know, sometimes Christians get uh, accused of being, well, you know, people say, well, you're just weak, and so you need this crutch to lean on. You need this crutch of, of faith in God. And, you know, they would say, who's not even there? And you're just weak, so you just need this crutch to, to lean on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Unless we're leaning on something that's actually there, then then who's the idiot here? Oh, did I say idiot? Uh, I meant to say that. I mean that in a nice way. Huh? Unless what I'm leaning on is actually in existence, and maybe you're just blind to it. That there's a thought. <laughs> Because how many know it's very difficult to explain to a physically blind person about something that you're, you're seeing? 
to say, well, it's like this, it's like this, but they can't see it, so it's hard to explain. Likewise, it is spiritually. How do you explain to a spiritually blind person about something you see? And it's invisible, but you see it anyway. You're conscious and aware of the reality and presence of God, and they just can't, they just can't grasp it because there's blindness there. You need their eyes to be opened. But again, uh, the, the mature, they see the invisible. Seeing Him will alter our lives in, in, in multiple ways. It'll make you more confident. I mean, when you know. I mean, it's like if I'm walking through the rough part of town, uh, wherever that is, your neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> I'm walking through the rough part of town at night. Uh, you know, it might be have certain emotions going on, but if, uh, if Pastor PJ is right behind me, <laughs> kind of changes my attitude. You know what I'm talking, talking about? Because he's like, you know, bigger than you're supposed to be. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he's packing or something. It, uh, so here, here's the thing. If I'm walking around with a consciousness of God in my mind, if, I, if I'm walking around with, with an awareness where I see the invisible, I'm aware of God, it's going to alter my boldness and confidence in life. Also, when I get tempted to do things that are inconsistent with God's character and nature and, and do things that are sinful, if I'm aware of God, how many know there's a pause there? But if I'm only conscious of me, hey, no one's around, it's just me. No, it's never just you. <laughs> but if that's all I think, then I feel free to yield to the flesh. So really, this changes us in many different ways. Number seven, ready, ready for number seven? All right, if you weren't here last week, this is number three. But, uh, but, but you got some making up to do. Number seven is they have a sense of eternity. The mature have a sense of eternity. What am I talking about here? The mature, the immature live only with this life in mind. Their, their, their thoughts are only filled with natural things, but the mature recognize that our life is brief here on the earth, and we are just setting ourselves up for an eternity. And as, as the, the book of James says, James chapter 4 and verse 14, what is your life? It is, it is even a vapor that is here for a moment, and it vanishes away. Our physical life is nothing, but we are eternal beings. We are spirit beings that live forever. And we are to live, the mature live with a consciousness of forever. Not just retirement. Not just what I want to accomplish in my life and then it's over. Almost like an animal mentality. You know, people will say like, dead as a dog. You know, an animal that has a, a beginning and has an end and it's over. Sorry to burst any dogs in heaven bubbles. But... That's another subject. <laughs> Yours is. <laughs> and mine are. <laughs> Not the rest of them. I, I know some that went to hell. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How do I get off on these things? Uh Number seven, they have a sense of eternity. (laughs) What we are doing today indicates our awareness of that. 
What can be seen in your life by the way you conduct yourself? How you speak about the future? How you speak about your life? How you conduct your, your resources and your family? Is it done so with an awareness of forever? Or is it like this world, or like I said, like an animal that, where, you, where you think, well, I'm going to live, I'm going to die, and then it's just done? No, we're in the dressing room. <laughs> we are just getting ready for the main event. We're getting ready for the big show. We're just preparing to have things. And that mentality, there is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. When we hear of disasters and tragedies like what just took place in the Philippines, we should not be, as believers, just mindful of the natural loss and the natural suffering. We should be thinking, man, I sure hope these people knew the Lord. Because these people are in one place or another. You know what I'm talking about? A a mature person lives with that on their mind constantly. They're they're thinking about eternity and how our decisions today will impact forever. Well, the immature just going from day to day and breathe in, breathe out. And (laughs) one day this will all be over. Let me give you a couple verses on this. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 34. Uh, it says, For you had compassion on me in my chains, the writer of Hebrews and Paul probably, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Think about that for a moment. Just think about that statement. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? And what was going on, of course, this was persecution of their day when Christians, their stuff was just subject to takeover, seizure. Government would come in, find out, oh, you're a Christian, uh, good, take their stuff. And they'd come in there and take your bed and take your computer and your refrigerator and your clothes and, 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 and they'd leave and legally, I mean, you couldn't do anything about it. You're left there standing in the middle of your house and didn't have anything. I mean, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? I mean, that wouldn't be fun at all at all but look what it said they did they joyfully accepted it they knew they were being plundered they were being persecuted for their for their faith in the lord jesus and they had joy but look look what it was related to knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven knowing this in other words the reason they were able to joyfully handle the the persecution that was coming their way is because they were not just mindful of a temporary, physical, natural existence, but they were mindful of eternity. They were aware, hey, this is brief, this is but for a moment. Man, any day, we are out of here, and it's way better than that, and I got lots of stuff. Hebrews chapter 11, right there close talking about Abraham. Remember, God sent him out and told him to go to a place that he didn't know. By faith, he went out and did these things. Verse 10, for he waited for a city which has a foundation whose builder and maker is God. In other words, I'm just not looking for a city. I'm looking for another kind of city. God built this city. He said, but, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city. This is verse 16. A city for them. You didn't have verse 16 up there? That's verse 16. Now you know. You all are looking at your Bibles anyway, right? We're Bible toters. This is verse 16. Uh, uh, he has prepared a city for them. 
So this is the mindset of the believer. And the more we grow and the more we develop, the more this is normal. and We don't have to force ourselves into it. This is temporary. I'm just passing through. I'm an ambassador from heaven, but I'm, my citizenship is there. It does, it's not even here. I'm not of this world. I'm an alien from another planet. It's called planet heaven. That's my home. That's where I live. That's where I'm going. When I'm done here, I'm just moving. And so they are mindful. They have a sense of eternity. All right, here we go. Number eight. Ready for number eight? Are you sure you're ready for number eight? All right, here we go. Number eight, they are very discerning. Mature people, mature believers, spiritually mature, are very discerning. Okay? They are able to cut through the smoke. They are able to accurately see right from wrong. They recognize, by the way, there is right and there is wrong. That's not the order of the day in our society now. But they recognize this is right, this is wrong, this is black, this is white. This is, in other words, there's not a whole lot of gray in their life. They begin to see clear. I've recognized in my own personal development that the more I have grown, I've been able to take what used to be difficult situations, confusing, hard to recognize the answer, and now it looks simple to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a time when simple addition... When I was growing up in school, where it was, it was a challenge. There's a time when young children, they have to figure out, you know, and count and, and do this for simple addition. But hopefully most of us in here, you know, we look at it and you almost know the answer without even thinking. Right? It just, your maturity, your development mentally in that case allowed you to take something that was once complicated and now it's simple. Same thing's true spiritually, but we're able to discern now, we're able to, to clearly and accurately judge what's right and wrong. Now, I know in our day, people, they, they, they kind of don't like the word judge. You know, judge is not always negative. Judging is not always a negative concept. I know Jesus said, judge not, that, lest you be judged. But that's a contextual statement that has to do with judging a person's heart and motive and being a hypocrite yourself. And uh, there's, some, there's some things going on there that we should absolutely not do. But you know, the Bible also tells us that we're supposed to judge. And if we only see part of the truth, and part of, then, then we're, we're not going to develop and grow. In fact, here's the definition of discernment. Because again, the mature are very discerning. Discernment is the ability... To judge well. We need some really good judges in here. Yeah. The mature, we, all of us should be very good judges. Christians ought to be the best judges around. Say, well, that just sounds like you're playing into the hand of people who say church is judgmental. Not judgmental. Not condemning. Not someone coming in who's got a life of sin and problems and we're saying guilty you know, here's your punishment, you you, you know, outcast, not at all. Embrace, accept, love, lead to change. That's what we do. But are we to judge? Yes, we are. We are to be very discerning and be able to judge between right and wrong. In fact, one of the things that is, is true about all believers is that they have been given spiritual eyes. Remember Jesus said, John 3, you must be born Again, in fact, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're 
born again. When I was born again, I was given ability to see. Now I can see and understand and grasp and comprehend spiritual realities. Huh? But those in the world, they have a, there, there's a blindness there that exists to judge between right and wrong. That's why I'm not following any political leader. I'm not following someone in the world to tell me what's right and wrong. I'm not following what's politically correct or what's accepted in society or taught in a, in a secular environment, environment to accept what's right and wrong. I'm going to go straight to the source and say, what saith the Lord? Because God is right and His ways are always proven out true. And when one person says, this is okay and this is not okay, uh, uh, I, I want to know what, what's right and what's accurate. And the more I grow and develop, these things are so easy to see. But I tell you, the danger of this is being accused and being condemned and being, uh, and being hit by people in the world that will call you everything but a nice person if you say something is wrong, especially something that they're involved with. But we're not condemning them, but we are going to call a spade a spade. As a mature believer, we're not going to back down from these things. Everybody okay so far? Uh we can see in Ephesians 4 where we started that the immature, one of their things, one of their susceptibilities is deception. In other words, they don't see as clear. You grow up, you're less, you're less likely to be deceived. Um, in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, you don't need to turn there if you don't want, but it's Ezekiel 44. Uh, the Lord was given instructions for the priests of their day. And telling them, they were the leaders, they were the, uh, the spiritual leaders of their time. And they were given instructions as to how they were to conduct themselves. Things they were to do, things they were to not do. And one of the things that jumped out at me in the middle of this is this verse. It's Ezekiel forty-four twenty-three. It reads, And they shall teach my people... The difference between the holy and the unholy. And cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. This is something God has always wanted His people to know. To not be confused about what's right and wrong. In our day, there's a great blending going on. A great wish, wish wash. Everything's a massive gray area. To where everything is kind of acceptable. We don't want to draw lines and say right and wrong. We don't want to draw lines and say this is different from this. But kind of everything's the same. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's like men and women. Here, here's a news flash. They are different. They're different. They're different physically. They're different emotionally. Uh, there's some differences there. But for some reason, some people want to be offended at that. Isn't that silly? I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. But it's, it's this, this, this um, thought that we have to make everyone equal and the same and, and not acknowledge and recognize that there are differences. And you know how many know you can say someone's different and not have to say they're worse than? Or they're less than. You can be different and not be less than. But God created them male and female. Man and woman, male and female, created he them. 
right? And, uh, and we're supposed to stay with, with differences. I don't want to be walking down the street and have people wondering, looking at me from a distance, thinking, is that a man or a woman? You know what I'm, t- <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? There should be a, a difference, and I should not play into these, this idea of, well, that's, there's no real difference. Listen, guys, don't play, even if you kind of like some, I don't know how to say it, but without being offensive, some more feminine things. I could give illustrations, but I'll totally tick someone off. (laughs) Even if you do, still be a man. I don't care what people like and what they want to do. Because I've known some, some men who are a little bit more artsy, if you will. That would totally play it to the extreme. And it's like, why are you acting like a girl? Why are you dressing like that? I don't care if you're into certain things that whatever you're, you know. I'm not saying you have to be a, you know, football player and drive a tank to be a man. You can do, you know, there's all different kinds of personalities. And I think that's fine and it's acceptable. But it's when all of a sudden, you know, the walk is different and everything. I know Christian guys who fall into that. It's like, hmm, you sure that you, that, that's supposed to be that way? I don't want to look at a girl and think, hmm, I can't tell. Is that a man or a woman? Thank you for those two claps right there. <laughs> Listen, this is a, if this offends anyone, then you're not mature. Uh, if, my goal, my desire is not to offend anyone in this. I know we live in an ultra-sensitive culture and all kinds of stuff where you can hardly say what you think because someone will call you something. Uh, but listen, this is God. I'm telling you, this is the way God thinks in a lot of different areas. He made things a certain way. They're supposed to be that way. All right, we should have an attitude in our mind, in our heart, an understanding, a discernment where we can see what is holy and what's not holy. Doesn't mean we're mean and condemning, but we are firm and we are, we are straight with the way things are. Okay, we don't treat everything the same. You know, going to church is different than going to a movie. Going to church is different than mowing your lawn. You know what I'm saying? So what do you mean by that? There should be an elevation of spiritual things, of godly things in our own heart. To where it's not just another activity. It, it, it takes a special place. It has a different um, respect in our heart. We don't treat all people as being equal. Now watch, let me finish my statement in this regard. There is a godly thing about looking at certain individuals like your parents like elders, like those people, people in authority in different areas, and we look to them and we speak to them and talk about them in words of respect to where they are in our minds elevated as not just common and not just like everything else, but we recognize that God calls some things holy. God indicates that some things should be set apart. 
a mature person can see this and be an honorable person. They'll recognize it. Whereas the immature is everything's just the same. I'm not, you know, I've heard people say, when I see Jesus, when I stand before him, I'm going to give him a high five, maybe bam, bam, you know, and uh, maybe chest bump, and and we're just going to hang out, me and Jesus. I doubt it. Not that there's not an element of Jesus where he calls us friends. And I think, there pro- I think there will be laughter and, and all this kind of stuff in this relationship. But I think probably the person, if they're really saved, they're thinking they're going up with a high five. And they're probably going to have their nose in the ground. Saying, you are holy. You are awesome. You are wonderful. My Savior, my Redeemer. There'll be such an awe and respect in His presence. And let's see these things as clear and straight now. The things of God are holy. If God says, you know, even, even the things we possess, I shouldn't see all of, my, all of my money as equal. No, I see some of it as set apart to Him. It takes on, a, I, there's some parts I can't spend on cheeseburgers or the power bill. No, it's holy. I've set it apart to God. Some people want to discount some of those scriptures because they're Old Testament. I'm telling you, God still thinks this way, though. He still does. He still honors there are certain things should be set up and set apart. And if we'll do that, I tell you, God will honor us back. That's what the scripture says. And, and these things um, are marks of the mature. Praise God. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. Full age, eat the meat, discern good and evil. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. We'll, we'll end up here for today. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And then I'll get to number nine next week. Ooh, it's a good one. Hook. It'll bug you too, though. But it'll, it'll liberate. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I skipped some, didn't I? No? Verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Does what? Judges. So we don't judge around here. Yes, we do. What do you judge? Everything. Is that, does that mean we're, we're mean and we condemn and make people feel bad about their sin? No. We see through it. We discern. We accurately interpret. We have, an, we have an understanding that is from God. We recognize what He likes and what He doesn't like, what's of Him and what... The spiritual person, by the way, the spiritual person is, is really the same thing as the mature person. The spiritual mature person... They judge all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. 
In other words, when we do grow and develop and see it clear and call it what it is, there will be others looking at us and they're going to incorrectly judge us. They will harshly judge. They'll call us things that we're not. They'll judge our motives and our intent. But they do not see clear and that's why they're doing it. But we in the middle of it are still having an understanding. We're still having a clarity of, of discernment. And, and we can rightly and correctly judge. And the truth about this is when, you re- when we really get to this place of depth and growth and maturity, you don't even care what someone else thinks. Whereas the majority, unfortunately, many in the pulpit today, they're afraid of the people they're preaching to because someone's going to leave. Billy Big Bucks is going to walk out the door and not give an offering. And they can't say it like it is. They can't tell the truth because someone's going to get upset and call them something nasty. But we've got to have maturity. We've got to, have, we've got to say it like it is so that we can grow and develop. Amen. Well, that was a weird weird way to end that. (laughs) Stand up with me on your feet. (laughs) I'm telling you, i got much more to say, but we got week after week, and there's time to say it. But I tell you, I I hope we're getting this and, and, and growing in this regard. We're aware of God, eternity, spiritual things. We see the invisible. Come on now. We're able to discern and accurately judge and rightly speak about things. Right now, as we worship, as we glorify Him, there's a spiritual reality that we're aware of. There's a discernment. I can hear the voice of God. I see what He's saying and doing. That's why we do this, and that's why we do it this way. And so so we can lock in to to, to the Spirit of God here right now and let Him minister to us as we worship Him. Amen.